Hello, you're listening to Episode 3 of Fade Lists, a podcast focusing on the Showcase Network's dynamic series Lost Girl, now also airing on the Sci-Fi Network. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm joined by my co-host Wayne. And Wayne, it's, it's been an interesting evening so far. So far it has. I think we got the audio working, we got uh, everything together, and we're ready to go. This is the first time we've actually been in the same room to record, and what should be easy, of course... Uh, wasn't but uh, anyway we're here to I have look no at- clue what he did by the way i have no clue he was just messing wires plugging things in plugging things out turning on garage band turning it off i don't know he tells me we're good so we're good you plug enough things in and eventually something works something but works. uh anyway so we're here to talk about uh season one episode two tonight but before we get to that well a little bit of sci-fi news there's not a whole lot of lost girl news um so we do know that filming and you, you can get this information on the net from the production companies, but that they've been filming in Ontario since April, and they're scheduled to go through the middle of September there and then to Toronto in early November. The big uh, news, I think, actually, is they discovered it was cold there. Well, it is indeed. Um, now, the other thing is on the DVD releases, uh, for whatever reason, Australia got season one before anybody else, and they got that at the end of November. Uh, Canada got season one at the end of April, and the U.S. is scheduled to get season one uh, October 23rd, followed by season two uh, November 13th. And, you know, I mean, the reality is, I mean, you can buy the Canadian versions on eBay. That's the place you should look. Make sure it's region one. All right. Now, a couple of uh, film projects that we want to keep our eyes on. Uh, Damon Lindelof, who we all know from uh, Lost, has been uh, commissioned to write and produce a large-scale sci-fi film for the Disney company. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, if anybody knows about being tight-lipped, it's Damon Lindelof. And, and at this point, uh, we do know Brad Bird is signed on uh, to direct it. And uh, his, you, know, you might know him from Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. But what we do know is the film's called 1952. And that's all he's saying. So if you, you know, what could have happened in 52? Okay, well, here's what I'm going with, yeah, Wayne. I don't know. Uh, apparently in 52, there was mass sightings of UFOs over Washington, D.C. This is for real. So that I'm, I'm going with the uh, approach that it's going to somehow deal with that. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, Brad Bird also did uh, The Iron Giant, which my kids love, and uh, The Incredibles as well. So he's, oh. that guy, he's got some major talent there. That's, that's cool. That's, that's exciting news. All right, good. Now, the, the, I know you're going to like this one. Uh, it's a film called Knights of Badassdom. <laughs> I love it and, already. And uh, the, the description I read, it's a group of live-action role players who summon a succubus from the underworld. Now, I, I didn't know what a, a live-action role player, so apparently these people, they actually get together, not like uh, Dungeons & Dragons or, well, I guess that's in, in person, but and they act out whatever role they're playing in real life. Uh, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones uh, is, is in it. Uh, Ryan uh, Quantin, who you might know from True Blood, Jason, Steve Zahn, and Wayne. Summer Glau. Nice. See, okay. she's if if you want a solid science fiction movie or TV show, you gotta get Summer Glau involved in some way. She's she's sci-fi gold, man. Okay. Now, no release date yet, but we do know. I mean, supposedly 2012, sometime. Apparently, it's finished. Wayne, I got a second one for you. Uh, and I mentioned, I think, to you before that uh, the Firefly Gang is at Comic Con 2012. But that apparently they've been, uh, again, there's going to be a reunion uh, special, one-hour TV special uh, called Brown Coats Unite. Uh, 
and it's going to include a behind-the-scenes roundtable as well as, I guess, footage from Comic-Con. Wow, nice. Okay. All right, that's awesome. Okay, and then, That is great news. Okay, and then lastly, I'm not a big Batman fan, but uh, Dark Knight Rises uh, July 20th at your... Uh, at your local theater, so uh, you might not be a Batman fan, but that movie is going to be the bomb. You okay. just even the trailers, like I want to nominate the trailer for an Oscar. This movie is going to be so good. Now, are your kids into it? Well, they can't watch it. No, oh, we let them watch like the old '60s shows. Oh, maybe. okay. But man, if I let them watch those shows, they'd, they'd be they'd be in my bed for three weeks. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, that that's the news, and why don't we jump into? The episode, uh, which is uh, season one, episode two, where there's a will, there's a fay, and you got to love the titles. Um, so, anyway, what struck you? What struck me is the kind of the juxtaposition of opposites. We would say it's when we have Anna Silk uh, and her radiance next to the uh, the Will of the Wisp, who is not radiant, but Hilarious. Well, one of the things I've been learning a lot about my uh, my Fay, and I guess in in uh, episode one, I mean, we're introduced to a succubus, a wolf shifter, um, a siren, siren. Um, short dude. Yeah. Well, we're introduced. We don't know what he. I mean, we, right. you know, we're not really introduced to what he is yet. Uh, now here we've got a will o' the wisp, which I really wasn't uh, familiar with, but uh, you know, now we've got a. You know, a little bit more of a, an idea of what we're dealing with, uh, and then the uh, uh, the headless horseman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you know, we talked about yeah you know, last week, and we'll go into this in more detail later when we get to this actual part. But you know, about the you know turning conventions, you know, kind of a little bit to the side and everything. Certainly, with the, the hitman who stops outside the room, removes his head, then walks into the room is has some convention to it, but a lot of unconvention to it as well. Okay. All right. Now, you know, one of the things I think this episode seemed to be about was rules and, and kind of laying out, I mean, you know, obviously episode one, we saw a lot of the, you know, the introduction of characters and, uh, you know, we're still seeing that, but we're also seeing a lot of the introduction, um, you know, for uh, what the rules of the game actually are for Bo. And we get a little bit of her backstory. Very little bit. Okay. More less than she would or us would like, but it's only the second right. episode. So if you were really expecting a big reveal here, you you've never watched basically you've never watched TV before. If you were expecting some big revelation, well, we know she's 28, right? Because yes. uh, Will tells the story. You know, 28 years ago, uh, we know her. Both her parents were Fay, and that's part of you know, like so we're learning the rules, right? One Fay parent, no powers. Right, okay. and that was Connell's big. Right. Objection, this right. whole thing. Kind of a bummer. Uh, so, you know, she learns that both her parents were, were Faye, which, uh, you know, obviously she had no idea. They gave her up as an infant. And, and you know, we don't know the reason at this point. So there, obviously there's a plot element for us to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, but it's also her learning the rules. And, and, and obviously she got off on the wrong foot in the Faye community last week. To say the least. You know, so, uh, you know, you'd think being unaligned would be, you know, at worst neutral, but. Yeah, and she's starting to realize also she can't just do whatever she wants because she really comes very close to exposing the Fae to the world of humans, which that's like rule number one. They told her that. The first rule is don't let the humans know. And what does she do? 
she she almost arranges it so this guy who wants to go to the newspapers and expose the whole world, he's got like evidence here, and so she's really um, she's only been around for that long. She's already breaking rule number one. Right, and then she brings a fay uh, a human into the fay bar. Yeah, uh, which. You That's know. kind of excusable. I wouldn't go in there by myself either. I never go in a bar by myself, well, especially an unfamiliar one. But of especially course, in Canada. And, and but of course, there's a codicil so that uh, as long as she claims the human as hers, uh, which she does, uh, you know, we'll get to Kenzie in a little bit. But uh, you know, I mean, the interesting thing, her unaligned uh, nature is the reason Will says he, you know, tracked her down to begin with. Right, she's starting. To, she's starting to get gigs because of her unaligned nature. Well, uh, you know, and, and again, that, that's sort of uh, what Kenzie's role has kind of been here as as a manager, agent, uh, um, and. and uh, okay. Oh, the other thing we learn about her is we, you know, we, I mean, we've got the one image of what you know what what a succubus is all about, but we also learn uh, that. You know, part of it is, you know, when she needs to feed, you know, there's the whole healing process when she's injured. Right, that's a new one this week. And uh, certainly that's how the episode ended with, uh, you know, her sending her manager to go uh, go find Dyson. I need to heal. Yeah, not the doctor. No doctor. Get right. Dyson. Right. Um, no doctor yet anyway. All right. Um, and if we all, if we could all heal that way, then we probably really wouldn't mind getting hurt that much. Uh, no. Now, now, the other interesting thing, it, it's kind of – you see the parallel stories with uh, with Bo and Will in, in that, you know, both, uh, you know, are kind of searching for their parents. I mean, Bo doesn't know either. Will uh, never knew his father. Now, his mother he knew, but, jeez, uh, um, I mean, you know, you know, poor John Connor thinks his mom is nuts, uh, although I guess, you know, he's he's come around. But, but you know, you look – but uh, Will, uh, Will's son – Whose name escapes me? Connell. But Connell, uh, That's you know, you kept calling him Will. I, I, usually, I, I would correct you because I'm kind of like that way. But then I just assumed that I missed the detail because I, I wasn't sure whether Connell is like a weird first name. So I thought it was just maybe his last name. They just kept calling him by it. So. Well, it sounds like a good Irish or Celtic name, but yeah, I don't know but if it is. is but. First name, I don't know, it's a little weird. But hey, you know, these days everything goes. But you know, so, so he, you know, he's got his mother, but you know, she's popularly believed to be nuts and you know as a kid i mean that's got to be you know sure. tough to live with. tough to take but yet he's got his mother there which you mm-hmm. know bo i mean she had foster parents and we know that because she actually says their name sometime during i can't remember the name sorry, but you know, she says the name of her foster parents so we know she wasn't brought up by her real parents and actually at this point we're not even sure whether she knew that whether those people were her real parents or not well i don't think she i think she did know yeah, good question. I, I think she said she did know they weren't her real parents, uh, and that she was given up as an infant. But uh, but again, I mean, you know, she knows something about her is different. Um, you know, and she doesn't know what. Um, the other interesting thing is that you know we we Will is light Fay, so why does he seek out the um, the unaligned Fay? And, and and again, we're starting to get these little little tidbits drop that there's something special about Bo that that people have heard about her before, you know. Right. And there's also which Bo is kind of reacting against the rigidity of the rules in the Fey world because there are a lot of rules. That's what pisses her off, honestly. You know, like the life is all like, oh you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you know, and everything. And she doesn't like that. Um 
So apparently there are other people who feel the same way. And so they see Bo as a way to circumvent the rules. Right. No. That they can just, they go to Bo, they don't have to deal with all the red tape and the BS that the Ash is going to give them if they try to do this stuff. So. Now, is that because she's been on her own so long and has just, just does what she wants? She's been on her own since 18, I think she said. Right. Yeah. She, yeah. She did say she, since she was 18. And yeah. Obviously, she. I mean, she, I imagine from her character that she was probably pretty independent-minded person before, but she has been completely self-reliant since then. And this is, remember last week, I kind of jokingly, I shouldn't joke about serial killers, but said how, you know, she she was a serial killer. And she says that herself. She calls herself a serial killer okay. in this. And so she's had a rough go of it. And she's really had to just, she's come to the conclusion before that she can only rely on herself. Uh. She can only, she can't let anyone else in. But now Kenzie has changed that dynamic, and now Dyson is changing that dynamic where um, she realizes I have to let other people in. You know, it's not just about me. And she's even realizing that more because when she just goes off on her own here, like I said before, she almost exposes the Faye and really, really causes some problems for herself and Kenzie, which is the thing. It's, I think if it, it weren't, it's, it's more than just dangerous to her now. Uh, it's, she's a danger both to herself and to Kenzie, who she's obviously very protective of. All right now, by definition, I guess she is a serial killer, or at least you know has been. But uh, you know, I'll tell you the thing because obviously we're, we're we're learning all this Fey mythology, and you know, uh, you know, having uh, you know a background in mythology to a certain extent. You know, the the first thing that starts popping up in my Head at this point, when we've got uh, two two people that don't know their parents, are we going to have some sort of an Oedipus situation here? You know, the whole uh, unknowingly killing one or both of your parents, and yeah. it's, um, it's dangerous. If you don't know who your parents are, you should not sleep with someone who could potentially be your parent. Mm -hmm. I, we came to that conclusion about Oedipus. That's really the central message of it. It's nothing to do with fate or anything. Okay. It's just if you don't know who your mom is, don't sleep with older okay. women. Stick okay. to your own. Peer group, okay. your sounds own like, age group. Sounds like West Side Story. Yeah, stick right, to yeah. your own. Stick con. to your own. Con. Yeah. All right. Um, well, you know, also this whole thing with not knowing your parents, and I realized this again when my kids asked me to kind of explain Lost Girl to them, and in doing so, I, I, came, I was like, wait, you know what? She doesn't know who her parents are. She enters a, a world that's different, that's hidden from humans. I'm like, well, wait a second. She's Harry Potter. That's who she is. She's Harry Potter. Uh, it's almost exactly the same. Now, obviously, she does a lot of things that Harry doesn't do, but you know, it's that same kind of entering a world hidden from humans. It's a world, it's not magical per se, but it's certainly supernatural. It's certainly a fantastic world. And she doesn't know anything about it. She should, just like Harry, but when he first enters Hogwarts, people expect, how can you not know to do this very simple thing? This is basic, man. Kids learn this when they're little. And the same thing with people like expect that she should, as an adult, Faye, know this stuff. But she, she says, I'm like a baby here, she said in the episode. You know, because she is. She has no clue about this world. It has to learn the basics first. As does Kenzie, you know, that, that uh, you know, kind of a good segue into uh, her, you know, and, and she, you know, uh, seems even less concerned about rules and conventions. And, and uh, you know, I, I, again, we talked about this a little bit last time that, uh, you know, she's a pretty brave little girl. And, 
um, you know, but the, the opening episode or, or the opening scene in this episode, I liked, you know, they're coming in, hauling in the big piece of furniture that, uh, well, they're uh, actually in the, uh, in the, the hardware store first. Oh, right, 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 right. And, oh, uh, one of the know, great lines when, when remember Bo's, oh. Bo's eye and the attractive guy. Right. And, oh, you just got lucky or something. What well, well, she said, what well, Kenzie tells her, uh, you know, how about we make a deal? We don't kill where we shop. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but but already she's, you know, Bo learning to control it a little bit. But, uh, you know, I mean, what's Kenzie's story? You know, I mean, where she, you know, where, where she been? Where has she lived? I mean, because she, you know, doesn't seem to have a lot of uh, uh, ties anywhere. You know, we do know she, you know, had somebody she could call. I think she said her cousin, her cousin that, yeah. right last week. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, she, she seemed pretty eager to move into this uh, uh, pretty rundown uh Little, yeah. Well, just to just take on a whole different life, and there's like not even saying, "Hey, ma, I'm moving into a pretty shady house on the other side of town with a succubus." So, uh, you forward my mail to me over here, please, or nothing like that. Yeah, absolutely. Just completely dumps her old world to pick up a new one, and uh, you know they gotta learn it together. Yeah, and uh, you know, re- real quickly, you know the. the you know, she's left alone with Will, and, uh, you know, while Will doesn't seem to be all that imposing, I mean, he does uh, spontaneously light fires, and of course, uh, okay, well, i got to deal with a fire. Well, what's the best way to deal with a fire? Get a fire extinguisher. That's hilarious. Uh, that was hilarious. Uh, i got to get me one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but the interesting thing, you know, when, when, uh, when she's waiting for Bo, uh, when Bo's meeting the, uh, the son and the... Uh, Oh, no, it's, it's not. A, what is it called? A Hulahan? A Doolahan. A Doolahan. Sorry. Um, and Kenzie sees him. Sees him remove his head. You know, pull out the the uh, the broadsword. And so, what does she do? It's like she runs to. She comes charging in. She runs to the danger. And you know, I mean, I think that's going to, um, you know, probably be something we'll we'll you know see more of. What well, we also know about Kenzie is that, I mean, she's probably been living fairly rough, you know. I mean, the first thing we see of her is going around a bar picking pockets. And, you know, if you are a Ph.D. college graduate, then that's not what you're doing on a particular night. And I'm not referring to her education. I'm just saying that she's been probably living rough. And we see that also with the, the sideboard that they, she said they redistributed um, and then, you know, and then she asked, uh, you know, I can't remember the line that Bo throws out, but she's like, well, define good. Yeah. Like for Mackenzie, it's or not Mackenzie, Kenzie, sorry. Um, for Kenzie, it's it's all about this, this not straight black and white morality. And that's part of the show, I think, is also that same way. It's like, OK, well, here's what. Yeah. OK. This is what society says is wrong. But is it? Well, well the other part of the show that we're seeing is. You know, it's kind of like police procedural, detective procedural, um, you know, kind of a combination between, um, you know, law and order and uh, burn notice or, you know, one of these shows. And, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how long that keeps up. Obviously, we see, you know, the police procedural with, with Dyson and Hale being, you know, called periodically to uh, track down somebody for Bo. Uh, but. You know, obviously they have their ties to the Fay community, so um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. And we, oh, there's another Fay in here uh, that I just realized when 
Hale in the beginning of the episode is telling Dyson about his previous night, and I can't remember what he called it, but uh, oh. the, the girls who could multiply said suddenly there were more pairs of hands. I mean, there are too many pairs of hands. The the I guess the Gemini, Gemini, uh, yeah, that was right, it, yeah, and uh, so that uh, you know they weren't. Technically, twins, you know, so that in other words, that uh, I think he tells Dyson that, uh, you know, she's, you know, her sister who would actually be two more. So there'd be four of them. I, you know, I don't know. Got, but, uh, you know, I, I, we'll have to, again, we'll, we'll have to see how much a part of, uh, you know, the sexploits of Hale, you know, play, plays into all this because, you know, Dyson doesn't seem all that, uh, you know, willing to play along and, uh, you know. Obviously, they've been friends for a long time and partners for a long time. The uh, the other character we haven't talked about yet is Lauren, and uh, you know, again, I said at the beginning, you know, it's kind of, this episode's kind of about rules, and and even when she when Bo meets Lauren uh, in this episode, um, Lauren explain you know says to her that you know you you've got you know that there are politics involved and they're tricky, you know, and that you can't just come to me unaligned okay i'm i'm light fay i mean she's not light fay but she you know she uh belongs to the ash who is the leader of the light fay so that if i'm going to help you you know it's it's gonna it's gonna be tricky until you align yourself with us which yeah and then lauren is kind of then doing her recruiting gig here trying to get her to join the light fay obviously you know lauren is she's not fay but she is aligned with the light fay and uh, so she's trying to, you know, like, well, if you want me to help you, you got to join the Life A. It's kind of that thing. It's almost, I, you know, it's almost looks like it's a scam at this point. You know? and, and Lauren's not, doesn't seem like a scam. She seems pretty straightforward. But I didn't like that. You know, if I was Bo, I'd be a little suspicious of Lauren after that little play she made to get her to join the Life A. Well, we don't really know enough about, you know, either side. I mean, obviously, uh, conventionally, we, we assume that the light fae are the good guys and the dark fae are the bad guys, but we don't really know that at this point. Um, you know, I, I certainly, you know, when we saw the Morrigan and, and the Ash, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, one of them came across as being, you know. No, they're both pretty uptight. Uh, the Morrigan seemed a little bit nastier, but also, as I said last week, you know, actually more practical, I would say. Um, and she actually gave Bo some pretty good advice about surviving in the Fey world. All right. So, uh, anything else that we? Well, I like what we see here. Dyson is not really. Ju- he is obviously attracted to Bo, and that's a big part of how he's trying to kind of stay objective and removed. He doesn't want to. It's like he doesn't want to really get involved. Uh, at the one point, um, Bo says, you're the only one of them I can talk to. You have to help me out. And Dyson says, no, I don't. <laughs> like, yeah, no. And uh, another point, she says, you know, we've got a problem. He goes, we? You know, yeah. so he is like trying to stay back, you know. Right. But of course, the last thing you should do if you're trying to stay objective removed is to sleep with that person which is what he does at well, the of end. course well of course all in her for, it's for her own good right. i know and he's he's very noble and uh you know altruistic for uh you know just taking one for the team here to help her out and this but, is the second uh, time he's taken one for the team yes right exactly uh before her uh, cage match in uh 
the pilot. It seems like every time he takes one for the team, he, he gets a little in return. So it's like. Uh, well, the other interesting thing, you know, again, he's you know, both of his worlds are, uh, you know, run by rules. I mean, as a police officer, as a, hu- you know, yeah, as a police officer in a human police force, I mean, he's bound by rules and enforcing rules and living by rules. And it's just that it's a completely different set uh, of rules in the Fey world. And obviously, uh, much of the time, the two do not go hand in hand. So, anyway, we want to jump ahead to uh, last week's homework? We can. Because I was, uh, as I said, I was just all kinds of excited to go back and watch this episode. And, uh, you know, it brought back a lot of very fond memories. Uh, of, for me, uh, being still in my my twenties and not having kids yet, and being able to watch South Park and laugh about it and everything, and, and so this episode was just was just great. And what we see here is, and before we go further, right? The, for those of you that maybe didn't get last week's homework, this was season three, season three, episode three of South Park, okay. called the Succubus. Okay. Um, and it's, it's been ages since I've seen South Park, and I really had forgotten how just drop-dead funny that show is. It's just hilarious. It's great. The uh, optometrist, have him reading the eye chart. I am a piggy. Hey! Right. Well, I mean, you, you see, I mean, look, if, if, for those of you that saw it, I mean, obviously, you know, Chef... Uh, is torn away from the children who, you know, he, he's had this really intimate relationship and intimate in a good way. Uh, he's with, been like their, he's like their, he's their mentor, their right. mentor, right? And, right. And suddenly he's torn away by a woman. And, and, you know, all of us that uh, are adults, you know, have either, you know, had that happen to us or certainly somebody close to us. And, and it's, and, and it's like, look, I mean, it, most of you have seen South Park and, and, and the tendency is to think of it as this, you know, foul mouthed group of little elementary school kids. And, and, but it's really deep. I mean, really, Wayne, I think this episode is about, you know, the individual that can come between friends and, you know, the, the havoc it can wreak and, and how it can just tear you know, these people apart. Yeah. And, you know, actually, I, I started wondering watching the shows, do girls have the same problem? You ever see girls like, oh, ever since she met that guy, she just doesn't want to go out to Nordstrom's anymore and go shopping. Like, I've never, you know, you never really hear that. But it's always guys like, oh, man, he met some chick. Now I don't see him anymore. He's, you know, he's just P-whipped. He's just, he sucks. Oh, man, he just... Yeah, I don't know if girls have the same problem. So it's a very male-centric type yes. uh, episode, I right. think. Now, we see again, we see the traditional view of the succubus. You know, we talked about that last week, uh, that, you know, the modern interpretation, it's, it's generally, uh, you know, a very attractive uh, woman. But, uh, you know, in, in this case, it's more of the traditional. And uh, what, what's the song she keeps singing? It's at? the love theme from the Poseidon Adventures. Oh, right. I didn't even know what that song was. I had to go look it up on Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> so. um, at, at inappropriate moments, uh, virtually every time. Um, but, you, you know, you mentioned that this the episode opens with uh, Cartman at the optometrist. And, and, you know, he's just, you know, intent on making fun of his weight and... Uh, uh, but again, it's 
maybe it's me, you know, start seeing things and everything. And, and, and I ran across this as I was, uh, you know, after having watched it and like, okay, now what was it? I just saw the, uh, but the Lord of the Fly references that, uh, you know, the whole, you know, the notion of Piggy. Oh, Piggy in the glasses. You're right. right. I totally didn't catch um, that. I, I, I fancied myself a literate person and, and there. I let that one slip right and by. And the doctor's name, I believe, was Lord. Was it? I believe. Uh, no. Sometimes I miss out on the details. All right. So uh, anyway, obviously there is the uh, succubus uh, link there, but uh, you know we just wanted to have a little bit of fun with this episode. And and what we decided to do. uh, Anything else you want to say about this one? Um, Well, just kind of like the piggyback on. I'm sorry, I shouldn't even say that in a deeper voice. It made that much more pathetic. I was saying it. Um, But you know, we looked at the X Files and and Bo in Lost Girl are both we said kind of benign succubi they are out to help and protect right rather than to hurt and and as dave said that this is the more traditional of the succubus as a uh sucking the life out of a male and, and a haggish ugly creature that sings uh old songs from the 70s that no one likes but they have to sing it backwards that's how they defeat her but not before of course she kills poor kenny that's of yeah, we thought he died twice, but I think he only died once. He just died episode. the once, but okay. you know, Carmen brings his head in at the end to, to have the eyes put into his own head. This show is so twisted sometimes, yes. man. That was just like, I forgot. Well, talking about what we were going to do for next week, and, uh, you know, Wayne had decided we were going to alternate, so it was my turn, and I started looking around for uh, various things that we could do, and, and I, again, was drawn back to the X-Files, because if you were an X-Files fan, you know, it, it it was you know not a strict alternating, but uh, the you know the alien abduction, the you know the alien um, the, um, the, you know that have been here and then that the government's hiding from us, as well as the monster of the week. And very often, the monster of the week was some sort of supernatural. Uh, and and I was going to pick an episode from, uh, I believe it was season three, and it the episode was called Three. And it was about this uh, very attractive female vampire who uh, was played by Perry Reeves, um, uh, who was dating David Duchovny at the time. And uh, you might know Perry Reeves. Do you watch Entourage or did you watch it at all? Never seen Entourage. Okay. Uh, but uh, she was uh, Ari's wife in Entourage. But uh, And then I ran across an episode, again, called Bad Blood. But, you know, what, what, what we finally decided to do, I think Wayne and I are both pretty secure in our sci-fi street cred i'm somewhat secure okay i know there's some gaps okay in my but uh, but in general we're we're we're, we're okay uh, however our supernatural i know enough to make other people uncomfortable when i talk to them uh, in public okay <laughs> uh so what we've decided to do is uh, and again like we said in the uh, very first episode our intro episode that this is going to be a fluid project so that we'll uh, change as we you know as we need to We'll change as we feel like it, you know? That's right. It's our uh, podcast, and we can do what we want. So what we're going to do is we want to try to improve our supernatural credibility. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at various pilots uh, that neither of us has seen and then, uh, you know, come back and talk about it. And, and certainly not in, in as much depth as uh, Lost Girl, but, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so. And then just see, and, and I guess at the end of the discussion, do, do we want to see episode two? And so what we're going to do for uh, next week is we're going to take a look at the pilot for the series Supernatural, which, uh, again, doing a little bit of reading, apparently the plan was for it to go five seasons. 
and then the uh, the producers came and said, "Well, can you do a sixth? And can you do a seventh? Yeah, why can't they do this with the show, the other all these shows I like? Yeah. And apparently now they're getting they're going to do an eighth. So you know, apparently it's been successful. Um, you know, it looks really good. I've I've passed it up on Netflix on many times just because I'm too daunted by the number of episodes there. It's been too successful actually for me to start watching. But now that we're going to watch the pilot. Um, we're not going to be able to talk about anything else for the next couple of months because I'm sure I'm going to start watching this series now, and that'll right. be it for me. Well, and I'm going to try to, you know, I, I want to, you know, have as few spoilers thrown my way as possible. I already uh, uh, have run across a few spoilers uh, for Fringe that I wish I had not. Uh, See, I just, wish I, you read too much of that stuff, man. You got to just stay away. You just got to stay away. Chat about the episode after it happens, but. I couldn't help it. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay. So, we'll take a look at the Supernatural pilot for next week. And next, you know, if you were around last week or uh, have been to the website uh, where we posted our top 10 sci fi heroines, uh, this week we're doing our top 10 secondary female sci fi characters. And in terms of criteria, where we don't have as uh, rigid a criteria, it's basically just you know who Wayne and I think uh, uh, you know we we like in in a secondary role, and even this you know de- defining what the secondary mean. Yeah, there's there could be some some controversy here because some of these characters, I would see people say, "Hey, wait a second, really that character? If you consider her a secondary character, then." But I think it's just we're talking about characters that are not like really the central focus, right? Of the uh, of the episode. Yeah, and I don't think any of the the ten on my list w- would uh, be confused for this central character. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of alternate, and and we uh, we're going to start at number ten, and uh, we'll work our way up to number one. So obviously, there's going to be you know when I, when Wayne tells me his ten, I might say, okay, I've got her on my list, and you know, and you know, so we won't talk about the same person, you know, right twice, and unless we've got something additional to say. So uh, you want to go first, or you want me to go? Uh, I can. I just. I just. As I was talking, I just remembered um, that there was a character I meant to add on here, and I forgot to. So I am deleting one and adding in another. So I think I'm ready to go. All right. So, so who can, you at at ten? Okay. So at number ten, who I actually think about. I don't know. Maybe I should rate her higher, but I think anyone in the top ten—that's that's solid stuff, you know. So at number ten, I have Ensign Roe Lauren from Star Trek: The Next Generation, played by Michelle Forbes. Uh, she was in only a handful. I think like I remember reading like eight episodes or something like that. But I just remember, you know, like I really became very attracted to Bajorans uh, at this <laughs> point. <laughs> and, uh, so it's the toss-up between her and uh, the. Uh, uh, Commander Kira from uh, Deep Space Nine, uh, but she was too. I thought too much of a central character. And I thought Rolan was really good because she's a very rebellious character as well, and she uh, ends up actually leaving Starfleet to go and join the Maquis at the end, and uh, just a really cool character. So. All right. Well, for me, at number ten is number eight. Okay, Sharon. Yeah. Uh, Sharon Valenti, Shara Agathon. Uh, Boomer Athena, Athena from Battlestar Galactica, uh, played by Grace Park, uh, number eight. She was the uh, the Cylon that uh, 
you know, uh, appeared in, in several different roles, even even as uh, two different fighter pilots uh, at different times. But uh, just really a great character, you know, really conflicted. Uh, you know, we I guess in, in a similar vein in Dollhouse as uh, Echo becomes more self-aware and self-actualized. I mean, you start to, you start to see that in, in some of the Cylons as uh, in that. So and more so with number eight than any of the others. She really yeah. develops. She becomes a human being as the show develops. Yes. Great character. All right. Well. I'm going to kind of go along this wave of Battlestar Galactica. My number nine, this is the one I was just running in, is Zoe Greystone from Caprica. Oh. And I know there's some controversy here because this is one people might say, well, really secondary character. But I think she was enough. I think the show really focused more on her parents. Sure. And on um, oh, who was the uh, – Who's the Polly Walker's character, the teacher? Oh, right, right, right at the school. Yeah, right. right. The Willow, right? Right. Clarice Willow, that was her yes. name? Yeah. Who, like, at, at the end of that, like, you know, the, the last episode, season 19, uh, you know, she, they, she's alive and teaching. Like, really? She, she's a terrorist. Everyone knows she was a terrorist. She, you, she was proved. She tried to blow up a stadium, and you, you let her have a big school of Cylons. You let her talk to the metal robots that can crush human beings with their little pinkies. Really? Seriously? So, anyway, that's just a well, side note. Well, well, you know how you don't like me to bring up Firefly. Well, I'd like to bring it up. I just hate being reminded well, of it. Well, that's kind of how I am with uh, Caprica. Um, yeah. All right, I'll but, try to uh, stay away right. from it. All right, so for but me, it's just such a good show. This is the first time yeah, I've seen oh. it. I was like, wow, this yeah. show is. And again, I mean, I understand. I understand that the, the studios have to make money. And if the show doesn't put up the numbers, they can't keep it on. You can't, especially a show where you got big actors in it and a lot of production and everything. But it's just sad to see because that was just. You've, a, you've seen the final episode? Yes. Okay. In the church scene. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, what I'm saying. That's okay. what I'm saying. Right. How does she? How does okay. this woman still have a job? Right. Right. How does this woman still have a job when she tried to blow up a stadium? Instead, they let her preach to the metal machines that ultimately, obviously, leads to the Cylon Wars because she's getting in their heads. Yep. That's so, all right. So, so for for me at number nine, uh, really a classic. Uh, even though we never really knew her first name in the original Uhura. Which we later learn apparently in in some one of the Star Trek movies, her first name is Nyota, uh, but Uhura, played by Nichelle Nichols, the communications officer, and, and again Wayne, you know, for her, I mean, not only really the you know, the first you know woman of color playing something, you know, playing a role of of you know significance and importance, but but just as a woman, and uh, you know, just really always handled herself, uh, you know, in every situation and. You know, I don't think you could have a top ten without her. Yeah. Well, she's great in the in the movie as well. The yeah. the, the reboot that J.J. Abrams did, right? Um, she was fantastic, really good character. So yeah, her is definitely up there. All right, my number eight then is going to Dollhouse, which you previously mentioned is Sierra oh. in Dollhouse, and I think you might probably have her rated higher. Um, but you know, again, just a character who does a lot of character development uh, throughout there, and. Uh, at the end, uh, the end. She, she's, she's. A, yeah, she has. They have a kid, right? Yes. Yeah, she's a mom at the end. and Everything. Yep. So she is uh, developed big time. And um, you know, you if you haven't seen Dollhouse again, you just got to go. Right. And and uh, you know, we're sorry, but we're probably never going to stop saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every time I mention Dollhouse and Firefly, we're just right. going to. Yeah. Um, and now I guess Caprica as well. Okay. Well, with Firefly, my number eight is River Tam. 
uh, from Firefly, play, played by, I know, one of your favorites, Summer Glau. Summer Glau. And, and just this really interesting uh, character. Um, you know, she's got, I mean, what is her, what is her deal actually? I mean, she's, you know, mentally she is, uh, you know, you know, has light years more capability than anybody else. Yeah, like the, uh, the line where, you know, like, product of an experiment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where, um, where her brother is like, you know, talks about, you know, I graduated, you know, from college when I was like 14 and I graduated from med school by the time I was 19. Uh, when I say my sister makes me look like a drooling idiot, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And very understated in a lot of the series, uh, you know, uh, literally on the sidelines in a lot of uh, a lot of scenes. But, uh, uh, you know, just really, you know, made a just a tremendous contribution. And she kills a whole room of Reavers like everyone else in the universe. Turns tail and runs, or says her prayers, or kills themselves. The minute a reaver gets anywhere near him, uh, she gets in the whole room and kills every single reaver in there. That that was just that was just that was badass, yeah. man. All right. So what are we up to? Seven for you? We are on seven. Yes. Okay. And number seven, I have Chiana from Farscape. She was a really really cool character. At first, you think she's just going to be one of those characters that's on for a couple episodes, and she's stuck on for the entirety, you know, yes. the, the whole series. And she's gray. And well, she's a Nabari. I mean, <laughs> she's right, she's a Nabari. And she's a little twitchy. And she's, uh, you know... Well, fiercely independent. And I mean, very you know, fiercely independent, yes, I mean, right. And, and it's... Which uh, um, is, you know, and gray, with like, especially with talking about, like, with Lost Girl, how her, her sexuality is basically... It's, uh, is her sexuality is what she defines it as, you know, basically. Yeah. I'll do what I like to do. Right. And, and if and, you can't get over your hang-ups about it, then, well... That's your deal, not mine. Right, and if you're a Farscape fan, and yet you know there's some really nice interviews with Gigi Edgeley on uh, uh, YouTube that that you know again just seeing her out of the makeup, out of the wigs, yes. uh, just you know, in you know the Australian accent, uh, yeah, oh, excellent choice. All right, so for me, number seven, uh, we're going to stick with the uh, the river theme, and we're going to go with River Song from Doctor Who, uh, played by Alex. Kingston and uh, you know I mean again time traveler uh, um, you know and, and the interesting thing there you know I know you know this with with the, the you know her time travel relative to the doctor as uh, he's getting older she's getting younger they're moving in opposite you know every I think she says every time we meet I know you more and you know me less yeah. uh, which you know. yeah and she has that that awareness of that impending tragedy of the day where as in the Silence in the Library episodes where he's never seen her before. And she knows that that's it. She'll never see him again after that. And we could have considered her for the uh, sci-fi heroines list because she does – there are a lot of uh, episodes where she does carry a gun and she does know how to use it. And uh, although she, as opposed to the black, a lot of times she's wearing white, isn't she? She does. They do try to play up yeah. that uh, that yeah. imagery there for sure. So. Um, but uh, yeah, she's an awesome character, and Alice Kingston's a great actress and so. does it really well. Just I don't can't I can't imagine anyone else playing that that part now. I think the problem is you know now I think about it, like uh, yeah she should have been on our list, but I think we think of Doctor Who as the Doctor like it's right. a dude show, sure. And we're probably looking I think mostly at shows where there were uh, you know women were the central characters, right. And, and we did an injustice to River. And that. I think we talked about, you know, uh, whether the Doctor's companions count as 
secondary. I think we did decide that we they said, they could. They're, they're in. That's right when you said it. Like ah, I had to, I, okay. I had to make a last minute edit to my okay. list because right. of. Uh, Brady, which I should like uh, Doctor Who. That should, I should always go there first. Uh, that's, All right. That's so like who you got at number favorite. six? Number six, I have Doctor Beverly Crusher. Oh, so do I. Oh, look at that. Okay, okay so we both talk about it together from uh, Star Trek TNG, and she's not your traditional heroine. She, I mean, she does get involved in some action scenes here and there, but for the most part, she is uh, you know a more thoughtful type uh, character, and obviously she's the professional. She's the doctor. So the ship relies on her a lot for her professionalism and, and to be a and, and plus she's raising the kid, um, Wesley. I just pulled that name right out of my butt, man. I just like what's the kid's well, name? Wesley. Wesley Crusher. Right. Yeah, he was a very annoying character, which makes her even that much better that her son was an annoying little douche, and yet she was still able to, uh, you know, still handle her job. Plus she's, you know, I I, I will admit from my uh, early 20s to having a uh, fairly significant uh, thing for Beverly Crusher. And Gates, Gates McFadden, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So. Oh, Gates, give me a call. I'll leave my wife tomorrow. All right. Number five. <laughs> Number five, I have Adele DeWitt oh. from Dollhouse. And this is one where I definitely, I knew I was on shaky ground as far as a, is she a secondary character or a main character? She does get a lot of lines for a secondary character. Um, I still think, you know, again, going with who does the show focus on? Sure. The show fo- obviously focuses on Echo. Right. Um, and so I, I see DeWitt as a secondary character, but a great character, you know, like kind of morally, certainly ambiguous, uh, but yet someone who eventually does the right thing. Yep. Yep. Against uh, pretty overwhelming odds. Very and, overwhelming. No. Odds. All right. So for me, uh, from Fringe, Astrid Farnsworth. Played nice. by Jessica Nicole, and, and you know, uh, should have had her on this list. Ah, you know, know. Uh, <laughs> Olivia Dunham's uh, assistant, and and her big thing is, you know, while they're all out there, you know, uh, shooting guns, um, you know, beating people up, running from shapeshifters and aliens, and you know, whatever going across you, uh, you know, she's more of, you know, I mean, number one, she's tasked with keeping track of Walter, who. Uh, <laughs> Uh, is certainly not an easy task. Has but been getting her name wrong for four years. Has been getting her name wrong, and uh, but but you know she has a lot of different uh, intellectual skills that uh, and and one of the things about the the actress Jessica Nicole that that uh, I've really been impressed with. Uh, if you if you get a chance and you're a Fringe fan and and haven't listened to the Fringe podcast. Um, you know, certainly uh, you should check it out. But uh, she's made herself available for a number of interviews with them, and and she's just she's just a you know really just a pleasure to listen to. All right, so uh, we're up to four. Okay, number four, I have I can't remember last name, but Enora from Firefly. Do you remember last name? I can't remember. No, okay. I just call her Enora. Played by Marina Baccarin. Yeah, and uh, you know she is a companion. No, is that what they call them? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't yep. sure if we were just talking about Doctor Who. I had the word companion rattling around in my head, and that, but um, and the uh, the love sparks between her and Mal is not. We haven't seen this since Sam and Diane. Really, this kind of will they, won't they kind of stuff, and she's always like pulling away, and that's like really this kind of thing. Like he reaches a point at at the end of the the series where he's like, you know, life is just too short man like you know and she's like you're right i'm leaving you know like what that's how you know, that's just an, again the the brilliance of that show especially the the last half of, of that season um was really 
top-notch writing and uh, but a, a fantastic character that was you know above all uh, loyal to her friends and despite the trying to distance herself as well because of you know she's afraid of her you know relationship with uh, Malcolm Reynolds all right now for my number four we've already you, you you've already put her on your list and that is Chiana from Farscape so we don't need to uh, we don't need to talk well, about this is anything you thought I missed about her uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think we, I, I, you know, jumped in there. So who you got at three? At three, I have number three is number six from Battlestar Galactica. Again, another one maybe uh, potentially uh, controversial is whether is she really a supporting character or is she a main character? But again, uh, I think uh, I, I call her support. Um, well, I think Adama is probably, you know, the central figure sure. and then uh, President uh uh, Laura, can't think of her last name. Okay, but uh, uh, but yeah, and obviously the first thing we see—well, not the first thing. The first thing we see of her is is uh, sleeping with the uh, the doctor dude. What's his name? Uh, guy. I guess we gotta go back and watch Battlestar. Guy Baltar. Yeah, Baltar. Right. Um, but then, do we see? Does she kill the baby before that or, or after that? I don't know. Was she like she's walking out in the street and she yeah. the lady has a baby in the right. crib and in she the, bends right. over and, and kills it. Like, whoa, like, this is a very evil, cruel individual. But as the series progresses, we see, well, she's got, oh, she's always got something else going. We never know until, like, the very last episode, I think, is really, we don't really, never sure what her end game is and what the end game of the Cylons is and everything. So, um, but still a, a very, very compelling character and a very, very attractive character as well. All right, so for me, number three, I know this is one you're going to like, uh, Dr. Saunders, or Whiskey. Whiskey. From uh, Dollhouse. And, and uh, the interesting thing here with the character and, and uh, is that, and, and we've, you know, if you, again, if you haven't seen the show, these, uh, these individuals are imprinted with personalities and personality skills. And uh, this character, played by Amy Acker, uh, you know, throughout the whole, show we we she's the doctor dr saunders and she takes care of all the uh the individuals that are the dolls that are being printed and and wiped and printed and wiped and printed and wiped during the course of their five-year commitment and then we find out that she was actually the number one requested doll until uh an accident uh till she got cut up on her face and then what they did was well let's you know let's cut our losses since our doctor died uh, we'll imprint her with doctor skills uh but just a, a phenomenal character i know i don't need to convince you yeah no you don't all. all right so who you got at two number two i'm going back to firefly with saffron from firefly and there's no Contest here. She's definitely a secondary character, and I thought a fantastic. Uh, played by Christina Hendricks. She's just an awesome character. She is bad to the bone. She's not to be trusted with anyone or anything. If we first see her, she seems like an innocent girl that's foisted upon Malcolm uh, in some kind of shady deal. He somehow got stuck with her, and they got married, and he didn't even know it. Uh, and so she tries to use her feminine wiles. On him. Well, he doesn't see his feminine wiles. He just sees it as, uh, you know, as, as, oh, well, she's an innocent girl and she's supposed to be my wife. So she thinks she's got to do these things and she really doesn't have to. And it turns out she is a 
just completely morally bankrupt mercenary who will do anything to for her own advantage. And then that's really when it gets good because then she's in the later episode. Uh, she gets Malcolm to pull a job and uh, and the, really the back and forth between those two is great. And the, the best line is like, you know, I've seen you with your clothes off, but this is the first time I've seen you naked. You know, when he, he thinks again that uh, he's gotten her to reveal, but it's all part of the plan and the trick to get her to think she's on top and everything. Well, my number two, talking about, uh, you know, getting people to think, you know, that it's part of the plan or, or it, I, I've got Adele DeWitt in my number two spot. The, uh, you know, the head of the dollhouse that you already mentioned, uh, you know, and, and again, just like you mentioned, just at the beginning of the series, she just seems like this cold, calculating bitch who, you know, care, you know, really, it's just it's all about the bottom line. Okay. And then, uh, you know, we come to find out that, uh, you know, that, that she, in the end, like you said, does the right thing. But along the way, you know, there are certainly uh, some places towards the, in season two where, uh, you know, th- events are unfolding. And, you know, again, we think, oh, yeah, you're the same bitch you used to be. But then <laughs> it was all part of a plan. And, and, you know, well, I had to do it this way because if I didn't. Um, and then, you know, just the, the British accent. I mean, yeah, which at first is off-putting because it makes her seem more cold and nasty and and, and everything. But now my my number my number one you've already mentioned. So who you got at number one? My number one is Rose Tyler oh. from Doctor Who, and she's not even really my favorite of the companions because I think my favorite and I'm talking about the the new Doctor Who. I haven't really seen the original incarnations or the first uh, nine. But uh, starting with oh wait, what are we at? First this eight, is going to be because I've seen nine, ten, eleven. So starting with the when they restarted the series in in uh, two thousand five, I think they did. This, they restarted the series uh, with Christopher Eccleston. Um, Rose Tyler was the first companion of that, and she was there for the first two seasons. And she was just a, really a great character as far as being some just basically a kid pulled off the street of of London. And very much like Kenzie. Right. Exactly. Just says, you know what? I'm in, you know, I'm in. There's a, that great scene in the, the first season where she decides she wants to go to the doctor and they do kind of cheesy slow motion, but it's touching because she is just wholeheartedly throwing herself into this unknown. And there's times when she questions uh, doing that, but for the most part, she just loves it. And then, you know, she's, she's forced then to, to give it all up. And this is the greatest tragedy of her life, even more so than kind of uh, dying to her. Well, she says it's dying. You know, she says, to the, this is the day I died. And, and she doesn't die. She's just um, she's forced to give up uh, traveling with the doctor. Well, she's definitely my favorite. And, and again, I like them all. I mean, um, I didn't, you know, after Rose um, and, and Martha Jones comes along and I, you know, I resisted Martha Jones, and then I ended up liking her real quickly. Uh, and then she left, and and uh, you know, I guess we Donna had Donna Noble. Noble there briefly. That's my favorite. Catherine Tate was I just love her. I'm so psyched she's on The Office because The Office sucks now, but she's hilarious. And and Amy Pond, I really, but yeah. but it, it always Amy's it, very good. But, but to me, it goes back to Rose's. Rose, yeah. Uh, yeah all right, so for me, number one 
is number six uh, from Battlestar Galactica, uh, the girl, the blonde in the red dress. And, uh, you know, again, part of, you know, I guess, I mean, we, we, we do know she, uh, you know, her, she's model number six and that there are, you know, a number of copies of her. But, you know, the, the interesting thing about that character is just, you know, the relationship she has with Gaius Baltar where we're, you know, we're, we're never sure whether she exists or not. Right, right, yeah, and, yeah, and or or at least that the 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 one that he is communicating with. I mean, because we see others, you know, others of that model, you know, wearing different, you know, clothing with different, but uh, you know, just such a just such a key part of that, uh, you know, outstanding series. So anyway, so we'll put those lists up on the website, and you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll separate them, and uh, you can take a look, and you know. Uh, Send us a you know reply and tell us you think uh, we don't have a clue or uh, you know that Wayne's smarter than I am. Um, but yeah. anyway, we yeah we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, well, part of like the, how we change it up from this week, you know, like last week we decided on here's the time we're going to deal with. I realized as we were doing that, like you know what, there's a lot of characters like I've never seen Stargate, so there's like all these characters from Stargate that could have been in that are top ten list that they didn't get mentioned at all because you know we had. You know, because we didn't initially agree on both of them, so I think we just come up with each our own top ten list, and we were going to incorporate more characters. Because like I've seen Next Generation, you really haven't, and you know, like you've got all kinds of stuff. So I think it worked out well. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, it, it, the uh, I, I think one of the things that that we'd like to pass along are, are shows that we love and, and think are great that maybe you haven't seen, because uh, certainly we've picked up a lot of shows uh, from listening to podcasts, and uh, yeah. All right, um, I think that'll about do it for episode three. Um, you know, we'll be back next week with the uh, third episode of season one, and we will give you our take on the pilot for Supernatural. Uh, you know, drop us a line at fatalistspodcast.com. Uh, again, yeah, give us some feedback, people. We, yeah, we need to know to, how we're doing. Well, and and we're uh, you know we're picking up the you know the, the we're, we're picking up hits, uh, feed hits. So you know people are at least downloading. Hopefully they're listening, and uh, you know don't don't think think is don't think it's too bad. So all right, anyway, Wayne, see you next week. All right, Dave, we'll see you then.